holiness intensive. Give him glory. 
good to be in Christ. Thank you, Father, for intensifying your holiness in our hearts, our minds, and our bodies. Coming into realms where the words made flesh. Genesis 17's been strong on my heart. Genesis 17:1 says, Walk in my presence and be perfect. And in Genesis it also says, This is the covenant I have made in your flesh. The word made flesh. Is it the covenant of circumcision? Yes, of your heart. <laughs> and what part is cut off of you? The old Adamic nature. The old Eve nature. So that only Christ remains 
in our hearts, in our minds, and in our bodies through the Word of God. What is the body of the new covenant? Scripture tells you, the final hope of the resurrection is having celestial bodies, conquering and consuming the second heavens. This will require complete and total celestial angelic likeness. Children of the resurrection, in this generation, predestined, foreordained, to be the angel-like children of the resurrection. And since they are the children of the resurrection, therefore they are the sons of God. <laughs> Notice this sonship is only for those that are angel-like and fully raised. Raised where? Above the sun. Solomon said, smartest person that ever lived after Jesus Christ himself, everything under the sun is vanity, vanity chasing after the wind. Now hold on a minute, Solomon. Does that mean all Christianity under the sun? Yeah, yeah. So that's a lot of change that we're in store for. All Christianity under the sun, according to the Bible, is vanity, vanity, chasing after the wind. Until we're above the sun, we won't be celestial, which means we're not going to be accurate in divinity. It'll be a mixture of humanity. doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you're not saved physically in a celestial body, which means you'll still have a human life in part, which is not the perfect covenant. Perfect covenant starts in your spirit, but it absolutely ends in the flesh. Genesis says, This is the covenant I have made with you in your flesh. And you can walk in His presence and be perfect. So that's what we want to do today. We want to intensify the presence of His glory as we walk with Him perfectly. Who can walk with God unless they be in agreement? So every area of spirit soul, mind, culture, nationality, opinion, even theology, doctrine, that is not in agreement cannot walk with God, which means those are the things in our hearts and minds keeping us lower than the standard of the children of the resurrection. Those are the areas we want to refine tonight, want to burn off of us. We offer our hearts and minds and bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God so that God the Father and our entire spirit are in agreement through our souls and bodies. He'll father your spirit with so much of himself in your spirit that it will consume your entire soul and this is how he restores your souls. First and foremost, the child of God must learn to eat, not just milk, anymore, but solid meat for the mature, it is written, which is an interpretation that's entirely angelic, that is no longer earthly or human at all. When we're young in the Lord, we have earthly interpretations, what does the Bible say? First in the natural, or the earthly, then in the supernatural, or the heavenly, or the celestial. And it is entirely second heavens which the prophets have told you before, 
is the book of Revelation. Promised Land. The conquering of the cosmic angelic spheres of the book of Revelation is the final frontier for Christianity worldwide. And until we do that, we'll be under the sun with a lot of vanity, with a lot of humanity and a lot of mixture, which means a lot of the things we'll be saying in our Christianity are simply not true. They might be true because they're written in the Bible, but that's not what truth is. Truth has to be with Him where He is in my Father's house. Truth separated from Him is Shekinah separated from the angelic realm above the sun. Which, if you study the scriptures, is what caused the entire fall of man and woman. So truth ain't enough. You need truth in Him. He is the truth. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Which means the manifest person of Acts chapter 9 that's brighter than the noonday sun that came down like a lightning bolt from heaven to confront a Pharisee murdering Christians is the truth. The truth in the Bible is a levitating fireball. Yeah. If Jesus is the truth... He's hovering over the road 20 feet above the ground, levitating truth. Notice the Bible shows Jesus the truth levitating over the road of Damascus, blotting out the noonday sun with brightness brighter than the sun. That is a perfect image into your minds of what truth looks like, sounds like, even confronting the most stubborn religionists in the entire universe, and they still called truth Lord. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It is written. I'm the truth that you don't have because you're going by the legalism of the Bible, you freaking Pharisees. That's exactly what's going on. And today, the sons of God are going to come down as morning stars, as angels. Job says when all the morning stars sang for joy, if you study out morning star there, it's the angelic singing for joy, which is your whole new creature nature in Christ singing for joy in the celestial realm of your promised land in Christ. You'll sing for joy when you're there because that's the realm where all the promises of God and Jesus Christ are yes and amen, which means manifesting in your celestial realm and terrestrial realm. It can only get to your terrestrial realm as it comes through your celestial realm. So the celestial realm is the realm you're getting ripped off in when you're living a Christianity under the sun. How can I live a Christianity above the sun and not live a life of vanity? That's what tonight's broadcast is all about. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 11. Receiving the resurrection from the dead while in the body. So your inner man gets built up into the heavens while you're still in that body. So that's how your mind gets renewed. Your mind gets renewed to the angelic as your spirit man soars on the wings of eagles. And the path of righteousness, what is that? The path of the development of the inner man. Why does it shine ever brighter? Because it rises with the angels. Your assigned angels 
are to take you to the myriads of angels, to the bands of angels, mm. to the chiefs of angels. The word chief in scripture is for the same as arch. Arch and chief are used synonymously in description of angelic rank, which all of you have since you're born again. If you're born again, you have angelic rank. Truth in you. Now, you might be lower than the angels for a little while, which means under the sun. When you're over the sun, you're not lower than the angels anymore. You might be lower than some of them, but you're going up through angelic rank. These are the dimensions that you go from glory to glory in, where now the angels are lower than you. Now, some of the angels that fell were chief angels. As it's written in the book of Enoch, these are the chiefs of tens and the chiefs of hundreds. Chief means arch. So these were the fallen archangels. Now we have two-thirds that are not fallen, so we have the majority and we have the victory in Christ. But in these realms that you rise into, you will experience angelic conflict continuously until these realms are conquered. For it is written, Blessed is he who conquers these realms. Overcoming is conquering the angelic realms, and that's the only way to get the overcomer's gifts. When you're under the sun, you have the undercomer's gifts. Notice, not a single gift of the Spirit of 1 Corinthians 14 is mentioned in Revelation 2 and 3. You notice that? You have the under the sun gifts of the Spirit in Revelation or 1 Corinthians 14. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, wisdom, faith, knowledge, and all these things. Not a single one of those is mentioned in the overcomer's gifts of Revelation 2 and 3. The overcomer's gifts are eternal and kingly and has to do with your queenship and your kingship in Christ. When you conquer the angelic spheres, you get those eternal kingship and queenship abilities activated. And only then, in that above-the-sun, angelic ability will begin to shift society. Until then, you're technon, under the sun, and that means you're under the governors of this world, where in John's day it was the Caesars. Didn't go so well. I don't think John really liked getting boiled in oil. I don't think he liked having some sinner hack at his neck with a sword. You know, not a fun day. So, under the sun, listen guys, you'll still be under worldly governors, which is the main complaint that most Christians have in America right now, and it should be. Because these are some of the most wicked, depraved people that have ever been in power in the history of the world. Now it's time for the righteous to be in power, which the Bible says will judge the wicked out of power over the nations. But it's only in these mature realms when we come above the sun do we bring judgment to the wicked that are also in those realms through their fathers, the fallen angels. We know scripture says outside the city gates are the sorcerers and the dogs. The fallen angels have been training and teaching their sorcerer sons and daughters how to live above the sun for hundreds and thousands of years. In fact, they know how to do it in the demonic much better than the Christians know how to do it in righteousness. Righteousness is the real deal 
of using the angelic spheres of the second heavens to rule over the earth. But because of immaturity, we only mostly have in every nation the wicked in those same rings and realms of the principalities using those sovereign abilities created by God, used by the wicked, over the earth. Now, the answer is us maturing in the celestial heavenly things. This will require a much deeper, intimate relationship with the Holy Ghost. It's the best thing you'd ever ask for. Knowing Him below is knowing Him in infancy. Knowing Him above is knowing Him in maturity. This is the realm where your soul begins to be infused with seven thunders and seven lightnings. Now the Bible says we should seal up the seven thunders and seal up the seven lightnings until a future time. What time is that? In the future, when you've grown up in the maturity of practicing the righteousness of the heavenly angelic spheres. And the Son of Righteousness shall rise in your hearts with healing in His beams. Which means a people that are using God's creation through God's Word to rule over the earth from the new heavens. How is it new? By the new creature going there and maintaining that territory through wisdom and revelation. Your spirit man will get activated. If you read the Bible, the angel's job is to teach you how to maintain territory of revelation, not just hearing awesome revelations about all the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom of heaven that are given to you, but how to maintain the realms of revelation, which means it's an ability of the new creature in that place. If we don't increase in ability, there's no maintaining those realms. It's not just about ever learning. It's about ever increasing reigning. What does it look like? It looks like invisible angels working through visible bodies. That's why when you're surrounded by infants in Christ, you'll never get credit because they can't see the invisible realm. Only when they mature can they even begin to see what Jesus Christ and you are doing in the Spirit with the angels. That's right. Hallelujah. So, you have all the churches of Corinth turning on the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul and Barnabas begin to mock them. Why? Because their spirituality was all in the natural. And Paul and Barnabas said, Oh, that you have already come to reign. You're already reigning. Let Barnabas and I come under your reign that we may join you as kings. And he's making fun of them. They got 20, 30 years of wisdom in the glory compared to their one, two, and three. They have zeal without knowledge. Why did it get so bad? Because the spirituality mixed with the natural is all madness. Zeal without knowledge. Madness and it's vanity, and it's chasing after the wind. And you need the discipline to take the spirituality into the invisible part of you and walk with the invisible God doing the invisible angelic works. And they'll be made visible sometimes. This is why it's written, if everything Jesus of Nazareth did was written down, not all the books in the world could contain it. 
How? Because his invisible person called the angel of the Lord in the Bible was constantly doing all the works of the Creator and the Lord of hosts after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was released in power to demonstrate his godliness. And he did. And the ones who had their inner man energized and built up could see the works of his spirit. And the Bible says the Acts of the Apostles followed the spirit of Jesus. Well, most people couldn't see that spirit. But that spirit was right there, guys. Why could some men and women see that spirit, follow that spirit, and turn the world upside down, but most could not? Well, there's a few things going on. They were not God-inside-minded. Their Christianity wasn't for the ability of their spirit. When your inner man is built up with the Word of God, your spirit man can find its own type in the spirit world. But if you're just spiritual and you don't have the Word of God building up your spirit, any spirit, which is like winds of doctrines, can blow you around. But we have this anchor in Christ into Jesus in our spirit. So we're not blown around through our feelings, our emotions, our senses, our eyes, or our ears, but our whole brain and all the brain's senses are anchored into Christ in His Word and our spirit. Which means we serve the throne of Jesus already through the kingdom of God within us. And since we know His throne, we will serve no other throne outside of us. That's what it means to begin walking with God and discerning spirits. First, you must discern the Spirit of Jesus. Every day, led by the Spirit of Jesus. And if you're blind, and your senses are dull, and your senses are not fully exercised, Hebrews says, you're still an infant in Christ, And you have not learned yet how to follow the Spirit of Jesus. So we want everyone to learn how to follow the Spirit of Jesus. Then the whole body of Christ will be built up perfectly when they see and follow Jesus. Here's the problem. Oftentimes, even many of those who hear the teachings of the sons of God are bewitched following other Jesuses, believing other Gospels, allowing their senses to override their born-again spirits. Amen. First, we have to learn to walk with Him in the Spirit. Carnal Christianity, the Bible tells you in Romans 8, is at war against the Spirit of Jesus. The truth is, if you're around Christianity for even 10 minutes, you'll see many Christians fight the Spirit of Jesus, the God-inside-minded Spirit, the one that's fathering the Spirit, building up the Spirit, scourging the soul, scourging the flesh for the benefit of the divine part of you. Most Christianity out there is for the blessing of the soul and the blessing of the flesh. And we boast about how Christianity has done so much for our outer man when our inner man don't even know him. In our inner man, the eyes of our heart are not even yet illuminated to see him. What did Jesus Christ say in the beginning of this new covenant? You must see God. 
Not once in a vision, always in your heart. Did you ask Jesus into your heart? Can you see him in there right now? If not, you're filled up with junk, filled up with religion, filled up with pride, filled up with lust. All of it has to be emptied in your heart. All of it has to be flushed. How does all the blockages in the soul and the spirit get burnt out of us to see God clearly. When you see God clearly, the Bible says when you fix your eyes on Jesus, you get your faith authored and perfected, which means your spirit man will grow in angelic ability. If you can't see God, that means all your vision is given to your flesh, which means you're yielding your inheritance to that which spoils. Eating Esau's bowl of soup is yielding to the ability of the flesh, to your senses, to your brain. It's saying, I don't want my eternal inheritance, right? I'll take my natural inheritance. When you choose Jesus in your spirit, your spirit man gets built up and you get more of a spiritual inheritance every day. This is the life of a regular disciple and a normal Christian. That they learn how to choose spirit at the expense of soul and convenience of flesh. And it's not burdensome and it's not too hard. It's like basically, don't serve the angel of death. It's describing to you how to serve the spirit of holiness and not the angel of death. When you serve the senses, when you serve the thing that the brain wants, you serve death. So how do we overcome death? Place of the school? Golgotha? The place of his death? By sacrificing our entire brain constantly. You'll feel so good. When you sacrifice your brain for your spirit, you'll get shot up with more of the Holy Spirit each time you sacrifice. That's what it means to die daily. It's not just an external discipline. That's religious nonsense. It's actually dying to the animal ability and intensifying the angelic ability which means your spirit man will have an easier time flying your spirit man gets more built up and energized your spirit man bears god the father's image the father's holiness infuses your spirit with more holiness which means when all the social media all the stuff of culture and the smut of society comes before your senses your spirit man is stronger in god than the devil is through the impulses of the flesh that is the evidence that your heart or your soul is circumcised your heart is part of your soul which means no one has a covenant of flesh yet with god until their soul is circumcised off their spirit guess what then your flesh becomes the temple of the holy ghost which means the impulses of the flesh do not steer the mind. They don't steer the emotions or the desires or the passions of your heart and mind. You're steered by the Holy Ghost. And that's what we need for everybody to become completely and totally consumed and controlled by the Spirit of Jesus. When He's in your heart and your mind, you'll see His brightness all the time. It'll make your faces shine on the new wine. 
and you'll get the fresh oil, you'll value him more than anything. It gets easier and easier as you die to the world and live to heaven. Amen. Exodus 15.11 Who is like you among the gods, O Lord Jesus Christ? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? I was talking to the Holy Spirit before tonight's show. What is the greatest thing we could impart to the viewers tonight and to our people, God's people around the world? An intensification of heavenly holiness. I tell you the truth, there's nothing better. The promised land is called the city of holiness, heavenly Jerusalem in Revelation 22. Which means when your holiness is complete, You'll live in the promised land, the celestial, angelic realms all the time with your whole spirit and your whole soul and your body be on earth, overflowing it into the terrestrial realm, which will bring all the judgment upon the devil. See, when your spirit man with your soul is built up into these heavenly holy realms, your body down on earth is the temple of judgment. That's why the temptation always comes through your body. Because what it does is it pulls your spirit and soul back down into your body so that there's no judgment upon the devil. When you reject the devil's temptations, you reject sin at all costs, sexual morality at all costs, religion and pride and self-righteousness at all costs, individual interpretation of scripture must be completely anathema out of you at all costs so you agree with the father about what the bible says at all costs then your spirit man begins to rise why because how can two walk together unless they be in covenant agreement you're learning how to walk with the father in the coolness of the day by agreeing with him in your inner man so god is looking for a people that he can dwell in their inner man We're looking oftentimes to demonstrate him on the outside, prove to our neighbor that we're in right standing with God. God ain't about that. God's about intimacy with the inner man. If you want to look good in front of others, Jesus Christ said, that's your only reward you're getting. If what other people think about you is important, even spiritual leaders, I tell you the truth, that's your reward. Now what God the Father through the Holy Spirit is doing in your invisible inner man is the most important thing to you. Your reward is God himself and holiness will blaze through your spirit brighter than the noonday sun. That's what qualifies you to be children of the resurrection. Another name for the children of the resurrection is the children of holiness. Holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. The angel of the Lord Yahweh, Lord of hosts, Yad Hey, Vav Hey, Seviat, the insignia of his myriads of angels, the insignia, the seal, the perfect seal of holiness, the seal that goes on the forehead of those that he has called and chosen, the sigil. The name of one of my angels is Sigil, the Sigil of the Lord, representing that Jesus Christ, the angel Yahweh, Lord of hosts, of his myriads of angels, he is the banner, he is the insignia, he is the seal, 
He is the sigil of his company of myriads of angels. That name written on those who belong to him. Mm. Now it's interesting that the insignia of his myriads of angels was levitating over the road to Damascus. Levitating like a flame of fire. Like a wind about to change the direction of one man's life, which would change the course of history for the entire body of Christ, when Saul became Paul. Now the angel Yahweh levitated over the road to Damascus. Damascus means a well-watered land. It also means a sack full of blood. The similitude or the likeness of burning. There was an interception on his way to the place that had the appearance of burning. There was an interception where he met the actual living, breathing, burning one. The resurrected Christ. Jesus Christ, the angel of Yahweh. The sigil, the insignia of the host of heaven. And what else does Damascus mean? The beginning of salvation. He was hovering over that earthbound path of salvation, the beginning of salvation the way of the beginning of salvation that is on the earth, he was hovering over it. If Jesus Christ is the way, that salvation that is bound to earth, where you live and you die on the earth, you never rise up from the earth, he was calling his people through an encounter with one who would become an apostle to call the people up, upwards from the earth to receive his insignia, the chief of many thousands and hundreds of thousands, thousands upon thousands, myriads of angel hosts. That point between heaven and earth, the way up has always been and always will be Yad He Vav He to Seviat, the Lord of hosts, Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord Yahweh, and He is today drawing us up into a greater glory. Now, the first mention of glory in the Bible, Genesis 22, I solemnly promise you by the glory of my own name decrees Yahweh because you have obeyed my voice and did not withhold from me your son your beloved son I will greatly bless you I will make sure your seed becomes as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand of the seashore, your offspring will take possession 
of the city gates of their enemies. The promise by the glory of his own name. The insignia of the host of heaven, the Lord of hosts. Song of Solomon 6.4 says, You are as beautiful as Terza, my love, comely as Jerusalem, terrible as an army with banners. God wants to make all of you chiefs with armies with banners. This is the promised land of the celestial realm. You get tested every step you go up. Divinity versus humanity. All temptation of the evil one trying to seize you. What does it mean that no temptation can seize you except what is common to man and God is able to provide a way out? It means that every aspect of divinity of the Christ nature comes with a temptation, oftentimes more than one, of the enemy so that you can choose human or divine. Now, when you're young in the Lord... You don't really know this stuff. So this is where grace literally abounds. It needs to because it's the only way for any Christian to get through their childhood. He knows that no Christian in their childhood can be perfect because your childhood is childhood in Christ because it's working out your humanity with fear and trembling. So if you're working it out, grace abounds to work it out. If you're not working it out, there's no grace. You're condemned in sin because a sinner is condemned by the sinny practice because he loves death and hates life. So grace, you could call it, is the children's bread who are making progress towards him. Some people will say grace just abounds and once saved, always saved, and you can kind of do what you want, just do the best you can. Listen, this narrow path is so strict and serious, Scripture says only one guy can make it. Jesus. So every one of you is not going to make it, and that's why it seems impossible. Because all of that self-awareness is terminated as Christ is growing in you. So you see, Jesus inside you already rose from the dead. And every moment that you awaken to Him more on the inside, you share in His resurrection, which becomes your own through grace. Mm -hmm. So it's not through works that anyone can boast. You're literally getting engrafted through constant awakening. One time awakening, Salvation Day, was you awaken to life in your spirit. You're aware that Jesus came into your spirit and saved your spirit. Now, every day, you are to awaken more. The daily bread from God the Father, the food for your spirit, is awakening to Jesus and what He's accomplished in the earth, because he accomplished a lot of stuff under the sun, but then he who descended is also he who ascended. And he says, I am ascending to your Father and to mine. Which means now the works of engraftation into Jesus, after you're saved, is all about ascending. Going to where he is, that where I am, you may be also. We've understood that, yes, so when we die, we can go to heaven, but that's not what it means. It means that you can learn to go up in elevations, which is the apostolic doctrine, 2 Corinthians 3.18, 1 
from glory to glory. If you study that out in Greek, it says dimension to dimension, which is elevations in the invisible spirit world. Your inner man is constantly rising, but the temptation is the external that plugs you into something so that your inner man doesn't rise anymore. And so the enemy will come and usually plug us into something on the outside within hours of being saved. That's how serious it is for a person to get saved if they don't get tempted and get replugged in externally to the natural man and the natural life. That inner man ability has Jesus in it so ferociously, it will terrorize hell violently. Look at David at 12 years old, took out the strong man of the whole kingdom of hell in his youth, which represents the ability of the born-again spirit. Oftentimes, we forfeit that ability within just hours of being born again. That's what bewitchment is. It's now all of my Christianity goes into my senses, so I try to finish in my soul what began in my spirit. So... We teach repentance, which means return to your spirit and get back that first love, that signet seal of the spirit. Mm. God has sealed and put his signet in your spirit in his own word. So it's not like your spirit has freedom to whatever it wants. No, like a fallen angel, it's a fallen spirit. That's the spirit that does whatever it wants. Your spirit now is learning strict sonship obedience to the word inside your spirit. You're learning how to serve God in spirit and in truth. So this is what renews the mind. The mind is beginning to see how to serve God as a Christian, which is by faith. No one can serve God except through the invisible spirit and through faith. And what it does is it begins to share that light of obedience, the fruit of the spirit that comes from the obedience to Christ with the brain. When the brain is renewed, it enjoys serving God in spirit, and it doesn't mind being last in chain of command. In fact, the brain, when it's really discipled, will have zero leadership in your entire Christian life, which is a real disciple. Someone who knows how to follow God in spirit, walking with God in spirit. I only do what I see my father doing. Where is your father? They're looking around on the outside. Show us your father. That's what they said, right? Where were all their senses on the outside? Jesus was fully God inside minded, looking at his father inside his spirit. So he wasn't just out of here like the spirit of Jesus doing whatever he want. He says, I'm only doing what I'm seeing my father doing. And I'm only speaking what I'm hearing my father speak in my spirit mm, kill the idolatry it's a it's a that's a big one it's what needs to die is also that charismatic idolatry of ministry oh if i can just become a full-time minister then i can just do whatever i want i don't have to be a slave to pharaoh i don't have to work this job but what they don't understand is the surrender of life of kingdom age ministry all other ministry but kingdom age ministry is is getting destroyed as we progress it's literally having someone telling you what to do every moment of every day it, it, the, sh- the leash only gets shorter 
the more your time is devoted and set apart for the ministry of Christ. And it is actually, uh, you know, I've worked some of the craziest jobs you could ever imagine. I mean, like grown men leaving crying on the first day because they can't handle the pressure. Like, repeatedly, like one out of five people even making it through the training kind of stuff. Jobs that it's just like, the work conditions are absolutely insane. But uh, the reason I had those jobs is because I knew it was my military training time uh, in the Holy Spirit who would teach me how to do the jobs that no one else would do and just to change the workplaces. It's all training. So as you're going through your jobs, if you're on this trajectory, understand that the intensity sometimes and the difficulties that you face, that's just part of the training. So you might be training on someone else's payroll because you're going to be a future uh, entrepreneur or CEO of a company. And you're going to learn to make mistakes as you grow and you're training for that. And some of you might be set apart for full-time ministry, but understand the idolatry of charismatic Christianity, of the false freedom, of serving the black son of sloth, which if you know if you followed our Training in Righteousness series on YouTube, is the demon Balfagor of the black son. So it's that false freedom, I can just do whatever I want. If you're on this trajectory, understand the leash only gets shorter. The greatest freedom is serving God. And on this path, you're literally having that still small voice of the Holy Spirit telling you what to do, telling you what not to do every moment of the day. There might be times when you're still in your unrefined parts of your soul where you would desire to do something else, but that's not what's on the plan for today. So you have to go with what he wants. And you know, there's your, there'll be recreation time and things like that. We have to understand it is so far from the idolatry of that thing. It's actually much more intense than any job I've ever had in the natural realm. I remember thinking like, you know, I don't know what I was thinking, you know, when he decided to put me on a full-time ministry. I, You know, you have all these ideas about what it is. The wrestling, it's the you're having physical altercations with demon gods in the heavens, and it's very physically intensive. As you grow, it gets easier because your spirit gets stronger. But usually you're going to be matched up with opponents that are somewhat similar to where you're at in stature because he's accelerating the times. So you have to understand there's so many things that you just, you don't know and you don't understand. And you're not going to know until you get there because it's a walk by faith. So it's just dying to more of that, what I need, what I want. But the Father knows that if he just gave us everything that we wanted and desired, we would never really be truly satisfied, fulfilled, or happy in those things. It doesn't last. It really doesn't. So there's a surrender and a letting go of the idolatry of money, of career, family, or walk with God. Remember, Bob Jones said that our idols are our ideas of how God's going to do it. So in all your dreams and imaginations, even based on real prophecies that you've actually gotten, there are things in your mind that you've added to that God didn't say was that, but you've been rehearsing it so much in your mind, you think that's how it, it's got to go down like this. No, it doesn't. 
how God's going to do it in your life, I'm speaking to somebody tonight, it's going to be different than what you've imagined it, even from what the prophets have told you. And they told you accurately, but the human imagination, the human imagination envisioning it, there are additions. And so you have to let go of what it's going to look like because it's going to look different in reality how it plays out than what we have imagined in our brains. And so if you can just let go of what it's supposed to look like, how it's supposed to go for you, so you can get out of that cycle of but this, but that, but what, oh, this is going to happen, just know. It doesn't matter what it's going to look like. And right now we're in the season, the only th the thing that's important to the Father right now is finding the chosen. This is the time when the chosen are chosen. There'll be people who advance and pioneer ahead of time into other things. That's on the table for you too. But as far as corporately, it's about finding the chosen, the gathering of the apostolic. Um, the, there's an apostolic meeting that's going to be taking place. And after the time of that apostolic meeting, kingdom age apostolic meeting, that's when you'll see the drinks being poured out to the multitudes and a lot of the confrontations. So there's just things that have to happen. And even the way we think it's going to happen, that's what has to die because those are our current idols, which is knowledge of good and true prophecy, but just with our little additions and imaginations. Really, the measure you can get your head off of your heart is how mature you are in Christ. So keeping that thing crucified, because dying daily is keeping the soul and the flesh off of the spiritual growth and you get into the fast lane you begin to understand what it means to take up your cross every day and follow him but today my spirit is going to be energized and grow at the expense of some kind of deception in my soul and you get used to having your weaknesses exposed for the increase of his strength when we are weak he is strong which means that someone who's come to an end of their soul's ability and desires Jesus Christ and will actually yield to the energy of the Word and the angel that does the Word. So the Bible says that His Word created the heavens and their angels. So there's a sustaining of the Word by an actual angelic light and there is a deed, a law, and an ability that comes out of the angel and the word that created it. So every level you rise, the angel will have a greater ability, and this is your spirit. So your spirit will accumulate the ability of the word with an angel at a time. So the angel that's assigned to that word that God spoke, that created the heavens and the earth, that's what activates it. It's not like it ever comes down to you. That's not how it works. That's your guardian angels dealing with your immaturity. It's when you rise, the words that God had already spoken long before you were here, thousands and thousands of years ago, those words are already working with their own angels. What happens is your vocabulary changes and it agrees with God's original word, His original design. And that's how the angels, you become terrible as an army with hosts, Song of Songs 6-4, you, your vocab is now working with the angelic posts. Not your language, not your speaking of scripture, the scripture of God's word in the heavenlies. 
This is when you begin to, begin to have everything you say because you're only saying what the Father's already said. You've just risen to the Father like a younger prodigal son. He had to go to his Father, right? And when he was a long ways off, the Father came to him. So how is the Father coming to you when you're a long ways off? The Bible tells you through angels. So learning how to cooperate with angels is very different in the kingdom age. It's literally learning how to work with the cosmos, with the word that's already there, that already has an angel assigned to it. He's, you understand? He's destroying, this is really good, it's really on point. The spirit wants to destroy the heresy of consecration of the outer court. This is really important. I don't think I've heard anyone really talk about this before, uh, but this is something if you can understand and grap grasp this, it's about you going up. It's about you going in the inner place, the holy. Let's look at the, the holy chambers of the priest. There is, there is a heresy among many Christian groups of the consecration, the special consecration of the outer court. That is false. That is not something that you need to do. That is not something you should pursue. That is not something that you need to bring from the inner places to the outer courts. A lot of people, they get into the glory, they get into Joel's bar, they get into Red Letter Ministries, they get, you know, or whatever they get into, they start to taste of the holiness and they start to move inward in those you know, inner courts. And they want to bring them out, those things out, those treasures out to the outer court people. To try and, you know, somehow wash them, sanctify them. But that's that's a heresy, and I'm going to show you in the scripture. Uh, this is what the Spirit was showing us. In Ezekiel 46. Then he, my guide, led me through the entrance, which was at the side of the gate, into the holy chambers for the priests, which faced the north, judgment. And behold, there was a place at the extreme western end of them, Shekinah. And he said to me, This is the place where the priests shall boil the guilt offering and the sin offering and where they shall bake the bloodless meal offering to prevent their having to bring them into the outer court lest they should thereby wrongfully sanctify, separate and consecrate for holy service the people who are there. Did you catch that? Let's read that one more time. And he said to me, mm -hmm. the holy chambers for the priests. He, bring, he brings him out of the outer courts into the holy chambers of the priests. And he said to me, this is the place where the priests, he desires what? A nation of priests, a kingdom of priests, shall boil the guilt offering and the sin offering and where they shall bake the bloodless meal offering to prevent their having to bring them into the outer court, lest they should thereby wrongfully sanctify, separate and consecrate for holy service the people who are there. Those people in the outer courts are not to be wrongfully sanctified, separated and consecrated for holy service. That is against the will, desire, and the written word, the celestial law of Ezekiel 46, in the written word of God. Now that's the human impulse, right? Because if you're led by the impulses of the flesh, you're about to die. 
but those who are led by the Spirit, those are the sons of God. So what do I go with? My human desire to try and want to sanctify everyone in the outer court? Well, what's the solution? He never wants... It, it's You don't throw pearls before pigs, right? There's always that temptation, like, oh, no, I got to do and share all this with my whole family. And what do they do? They bite at it. They trample on it. They, they desecrate it. They defile it. Well, what, what about the offering? You have to understand the sanctity of the priesthood when you go into the holy chambers. There is a certain language and there's a certain thing that you use to draw them. You speak words that offer them, it's a rung, it's a ladder. You throw it on the ladder. One of my, um, one of my mentors growing up, he always said it to me like this. And this, this was the first signs, wonders, and miracles. Someone who got kicked out of pretty much every church he ever went to. He would just look in to see if anyone was, you know, wanting to know God. If someone is down in a pit, and you see them in a pit, we're going to call out the outer court or whatever sin they're in. And they are saying, help, help. You can take the rope ladder and throw it down to them. Here, here's a ladder. But in no circumstance do you ever go down that ladder to be in the pit where they are. You never go down. You throw the ladder down and, and they can climb up. And you're there to pull them up when they go up. You see? But on no condition... When you throw that ladder down and then they start to say, well, I need to be saved like this and this, and it's on, now it's on their terms and conditions, you say no and you walk away. That is not love. You throw them the rope, you throw them the ladder, you give them the truth that and will let them hide. If they're not willing to climb up the ladder, walk away. they're not ready for God yet. Right. They want it their own human way in their own human pit. They want witchcraft. That's exactly it. They want witchcraft. Witchcraft is put it into the human being. It's taking the sacred things of the spirit and then just using them in the flesh, which is what caused the whole curse of the fall, if you read the Bible, taking the Shekinah and using it for the outer court in separation from God. Using light apart from God is what the fall of man and angel is. So if they're not willing to do it in their spirit, they're not ready for Jesus yet. And the only thing they want is witchcraft, and they call their witchcraft, mm -hmm. they call it Jesus, don't they? Yep. When you're bewitched, most of them call that Jesus and God and Christianity. But you test them, as it's written, test every spirit. You see if it's for the inner man, and that union with the Father and the invisible person, or is it for the soulish person or for the flesh? Mm -hmm. And the ones who want it just soulishly, they're not walking with God at all. Mm -hmm. Like, at all. They're the enemies of God. The hordes of hell are marching. Mm -hmm. What are the hordes of hell marching? Final Quest Chapter 1. Christians whose Christianity is for the outer man and not the inner man. Mm -hmm. So it's really good teaching that you only help the inner man. And sometimes God will say, help the outer man too. Mm -hmm. If they're making inner man progress, right. then there are things you do to take care of the outer man. Just like um, Shadrach asked us today if we would cover his kids' a school tuition in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And the whole semester for both of them, it's like $700 for both of them to go to private school for the whole semester. So if anyone wants to give into that cause, taking up an offering for Shadrach, pastor mm -hmm. of our RLM Africa Church, to have his kids' tuition paid for 
in Africa, and that would be an awesome cause mm -hmm. to help people that are growing in their inner man. Yeah. yeah. If you're making progress and you're doing the things of God, faithful to things of God, Jehovah Jireh, God is your provider, and He provides those things. And so, you know, I've seen people who will walk in in the glory, making step towards the Sephardic tree of righteousness, and experience miraculous provision. And I've also known other people who they start to walk with us. And then when they start to veer away, they'll still be around for a while on the outside. But when they start to veer away in their hearts, then all of a sudden the provision is gone, the grace is gone, the peace is gone. And so just keep an eye on those things. You want to be walking in the fruits of the Spirit. And if it's a different fruit, it's probably a different tree, a different river, and you want to just make that correction. But uh, listen, to you need to hear the last of these couple of verses in Ezekiel 46. Uh, starting in verse 20, that last one we read. And he said to me, This is the place where the priests boil the guilt offering and the sin offering. And let this be written in your spirit. Whoa. Yeah, that just came out. Okay, whoo, I just felt it just came out. Where they shall bake the bloodless meal offering to prevent their having to bring them into the outer court, lest they should thereby wrongfully sanctify, separate and consecrate for holy service the people who are there. And he brought me, so after that says the holy chambers, and he brought me out into the outer court and caused me to pass by the four corners of the court. And behold, in every corner of the court, there was a court. In the four corners of the court, there were courts joined on and enclosed 40 cubits long and 30 broad. These four in the corners were the same size and there was a row of masonry inside them round about each of the four courts and it was made with hearths for boiling at the bottom of the rows round about and then he said to me these are the kitchens of those who do the boiling where the ministers the levites of the temple shall boil the sacrifices of the people not boiling now look at John the beloved boiling in the shadow realm signifying the time that the church was in if we're not walking in the fullness of it in the invisible we will be seeing the manifestations of the shadow of the prophetic that's a word for someone some people listening right now can understand what i'm saying if you can't just let it go into your spirit but if we're not walking in the fullness of the invisible realities we'll still just be seeing living and experiencing the prophetic shadows of that thing so that the next step of maturity for you the ones who can understand what i'm saying right now is the shift from using those shadows of the prophetic realms to self-justify or say, look, I'm in right standing because this is manifesting, but to take it as more of a correction that it hasn't actually manifested yet. And also as an encouragement that you're headed in the right direction, but that word has to cut something for it to actually be manifested in your life and not just the sign and the wonder of it of prophecy of the shadows. Amen. Mm -hmm.
Glory. Exodus 28:36. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and engrave upon it like the engravings of a signet. Holiness <laughs> to the Lord. God Which is Exodus 28:36 describing your Romans 12:2 transfiguration of the renewing of your mind. There's a gold plate, a pure gold, and God is writing his angelic word into your brain. So the brain begins to believe by having God's word written on it. Your spirit man begins to conquer the brain. The Bible tells you transfiguration comes by conquering your own brains. Amen. <laughs> the measure you conquered your brain is the measure you're walking in the success of the angel of the Lord right now. And that'll be your measure of glory, and it's all measured. So God wants the increase. All of the parables of Jesus Christ, literally every single one, is about measurements of management. So the father's a vine dresser. He wants to measure the things of the angels, the things of his son Jesus, the things of his spirit and his word and his kingdom inside you. And every season, he checks the measurements. He wants to make sure there's an increase. And he'll bring correction. He'll show you how to bring increase, discipleship. He'll get you accountable. He'll get you into holiness. He'll get you revelated so that you know what's available. Without revelation, <laughs> your whole Christianity would just be perishing. There's so little revelation during the Dark Ages. They called their churches parishes. You just go there to perish. So we're coming out of perishing by revelation. And the revelation is just the initial shock of the Spirit eating the bread of angels. Now, once you're revelated, you can do the works of the angels as a new creature. He is raising up sons. No one has ever done more work than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Wasn't even a long life. 33 years and there's never been a Christian who's ever done more than Jesus. And Jesus said, that's not okay. John 14, 12, greater works are you going to do because I'm going to the Father. So we, we need to pray for the greater works, which is the greater maturity of the inner man. Mm. Without maturing of the inner man, never in a million years you're going to have greater works. You'll have greater strange fire. That's what most people are into. You'll have greater bewitchment. You have greater deception of potent sorcery of Babylon the Great. But until the inner man is like an archangel, you ain't going to have greater works. Your inner man be like nine archangels combined when you're coming into greater works. And every step of the way, your inner man got more angelic, so it's not a suddenly. It's not a suddenly. It's like raising a child. It's not like this thing is six feet overnight. Eighteen years of feeding that thing... Now there he is, an 18-year-old standing six feet tall. That's how your inner man is. He wants your inner man to stand up six feet tall in those bodies and devour those bodies into the inner man. And as you eat, the angelic stuff will come out, and that's really what renews your mind because you begin to see your spiritual ability exuding or emanating from within you. What does the Bible say? Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water for those who believe. What are you looking at when you're looking at the rivers of living water? You're looking at the new creature in Christ, the born-again spirit, and its ability. And if you're not looking at the rivers, 
what are you going to be looking at? Your outer man's ability. You'd just be looking at your hands and your own heads, which the Bible tells you is the mark of humanity or the bewitchment. So you got to get your eyes on Jesus to get your faith authored and perfected. And what's the evidence that your eyes are on Jesus? Out of your belly is flowing rivers, which is you experiencing through your senses your new creature's ability. And anything blocking it up, let it be anathema. 1 Corinthians 16.22, there is so much junk that needs to be burned up. It's okay to test everything with anathema. You can test it with anathema. God's not going to be offended by nothing. He knows how screwed up and fallen this world is. Mm -hmm. Most of the stuff down here is trying to kill you and stunt your growth. Especially that bewitchment and that charismatic witchcraft of the Antichrist, which is the most deceiving thing yet. And it's not for your benefit, it's for your destruction. So you can test it all until your inner man is so rock solid, it's as tough as as Christ crucified and resurrected simultaneously. There's nothing tougher than the cross and His blood and that ability of the destruction of death through Calvary. That destruction of death is the judgment upon the insignia of the King of Tyre, which is Satan. And if we have the opportunity, I'd like to read this so that we can advance towards Keter of Yetzirah of Yetzirah together as a group. Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Lord, for it. I feel a burning in my forehead. Thank you. Thus says the Lord God, O Tyre, Satan, you have said, I am perfect in beauty. Your borders are in the heart of the seas. Your builders have perfected your beauty. They have made all your planks of fir trees from Sinir. They have taken a cedar from Lebanon to make a mast for you. Of the oaks of Bashan, they have made your oars. They have made your deck of boxwood from the coastlands of Cyprus inlaid with ivory. Your sail was of fine embroidered linen from Egypt, so that it became your distinguishing mark insignia. Mm. That is the distinguishing mark, that beauty of the sons and daughters of Satan that you see Mm. now. There's a lot of shadows and lies, camera angles, makeup. Mostly makeup. Yeah. Mostly makeup because oh, it's, it's fading. It's very photoshopped. Yeah. Uh, but all the, the stolen <laughs> beauty, if you see angels of light that deceive, the sale of fine embroidered linen from Egypt so that it became your distinguishing mark, insignia, which is anathema, the insignia mm-hmm. of the embroidered linen from Egypt, off of all souls and flesh and all spirits at the sound of my voice those seeking righteousness and maranatha the insignia of yad hey vav hey to save the lord of hosts the insignia of myriads of holy angelic host holy unto the lord yahweh your ship's awning which covered you was blue and purple from the coast of Elisha of Asia Minor, that is the double portion of external Elijah fire that they could call down even fire from heaven, the false prophet of the king of Tyre. The inhabitants of Sidon and the island of Arvad were your oarsmen, your skilled and wise men. Mm-hmm. O Tyre were with you, they were your pilots. 
This is why we need tiny pilots. We need humble pilots. Mm -hmm. All right, sign up today for the armies of the Lord. The elders of Gabal and its skilled and wise men were with you, repairing your leaks. All the ships of the sea with their mariners were with you to deal in your merchandise. Persia and Lud and Put Libya were in your army as your men of war. They hung the shield and the helmet on you. They gave you splendor. That belongs to Joseph, by the way. The coat of splendor. The maturity of Joseph, who rose above. In the spirit realm, Joseph was above Egypt. He was above Pharaoh of Egypt, but only in the natural, because that was his time. He wasn't born in the end times. In the natural, he was one below Pharaoh, but he was in the higher rungs than Pharaoh in the spirit. Splendor, the and that is the coat of splendor. His brothers took the coat of many colors, right? The pathway to the seven heavens. But the coat that was given him, the garment that was given to him of splendor is the one. And for my prophets, I'll tell you that is the, the coat that cannot be taken from you is the 818. Some of you have been seeing 818. That is symbolic of stepping into the coat of splendor that cannot be taken from you cannot be covered in an animal's blood will not be taken from you to throw you in a pit that's authority over egypt and that is the call so some of you are going to see 818 that's what that means they hung the shield and the helmet on you they gave you splendor the men of arvad with your army were upon your walls all around and the gamadim Men of valor were in your towers. They hung their shields on your walls all around. They perfected your beauty, this king of Tyre. Tarshish in Spain was your customer and traded with you because of the abundance of your riches of all kinds with silver, iron, tin, and lead. They paid your wares. Javan, Greece, Tubal, and Meshech, Asia Minor, traded with you with the lives of men taken as slaves, debt slaves, human trafficked slaves, souls that are trafficked as slaves, some of which you at the sound of my voice are survivors of, recognize that, mm -hmm. and vessels of bronze, they paid for your merchandise. Those from Beth Tagarma, Armenia, traded your wares with chariot horses, war horses and mules, Ooh, this is the year of the gavel. Bobby Connor said, I see all these things going before the Father today. The men of Dedan were your traders. Many coastlands were your markets. Ivory tusks and ebony. They brought to you in payment or as gifts. Aram traded with you because of the abundance of goods you made. They paid for your merchandise with emeralds, purple, embroidered work, fine linen, coral, and rubies. Judah and the land of Israel, they were your traders. With the wheat of Mineth and Ammon, cakes, honey, oil, and balm. Oh, they traded the anointing for the things of Satan. The precious things of God. Prostituted like simple wares. Standing in the way, not rising in the pathways of the balm trees, but standing in the way and blocking those who would seek to enter. 
Damascus. We just talked about that. Damascus traded with you. That place of the beginning of salvation. Jesus was levitating above the road to Damascus. Damascus traded with you because of the abundance of your handiworks and the immense wealth of every kind. With the wine of Helban, Aleppo. It's so grievous to the spirit, and I know he's only let me taste a little bit of what he's feeling. It's just so... No one has suffered more than God in this whole ordeal. No one has suffered more than God in body, in the body of Jesus, in the Father's soul and his emotions, and to the core of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. No one suffered more than God in this whole ordeal since the fall. He deserves better from you. He deserves better from us. He really does. Yes, Lord. And the white wolves. Paid for your merchandise with emeralds, purple, embroidered work, fine linen, coral, and rubies. Judah and the land of Israel, they were your traders. With the wheat of Minnith and Ammon, cakes, honey, oil, and balm, they paid for your goods. Damascus traded with you because of the abundance of your handiworks and the immense wealth of every kind. With the wine of Helban, Aleppo, and the white wool of Sachar in Syria. It's like trading their innocence for sexual pleasure. Vedan and Davin traded with yarn from Usul in Arabia for your wares, wrought irons, cassia, and sweet cane were among your merchandise. Dedan traded with you in saddle blankets for riding. Arabia and all the princes of Qadar, they were your customers for lambs, rams, and goats favored by you for these were your customers. The merchants of Sheba and Rama and Arabia, they traded with you. They paid for your wares with the choicest of all the kinds of spices and all the kinds of precious stones and gold. The complete forsaking of spiritual ability for the natural man's whoredom. Haran and Cana and Eden in Mesopotamia, the merchants of Sheba on the Euphrates, Asher, and Chilmad traded with you. They traded with you in choice fabrics and garments and clothes of blue, violet, and embroidered work, and in treasures of multicolored damask and knotted carpets bound in tightly wound cords, which were among your merchandise. The ships of Tarshish were the caravans for your merchandise, and you, Tyre, were re re replenished and very glorious heavily laden with an imposing fleet 
in the heart of the seas. You see how Satan got big? All the nations traded with him. Your rowers have brought you into great and deep waters. The east wind has broken and shipwrecked you in the heart of the seas. Your riches, your wares, your merchandise, your oarsmen, and your pilots, pilots, your cockers, your dealers in merchandise, and all your men of war who are with you, with all your company that is in your midst, will sink into the heart of the seas on the day of your ruin. Lake of Fire. And it's also Revelation 18. Notice how similar it is to all that. It's the prostitution of all spiritual angelic ability for the outer man to just be charismatic. Truth anyhow. And the inner man never developed and everything from God prostituted to the devil, which is exactly what Revelation's dealing with and what the Father wants to address tonight. The pasture lands and the countryside will shake at the piercing sound of the hopeless, wailing cry of your pilots. All who handle the oar, the mariners, and all the pilots of the sea will come down from their ships. They will stand on the shore, and they will make their voice heard as they wail loudly over you. They will cry bitterly. They will throw dust on their heads. They will wallow in ashes. Ezekiel 27:31, And they will make themselves completely bald for you and wrap themselves in sackcloth and in bitterness of soul. They will weep for you with bitter mourning and wailing. Notice the exact same expression for those who destroy Babylon the Great, Lady Babylon. It's the same exact thing. Same it's the thing. destruction of Satan in your mm. day. It reminds me of an Enoch, that transfer of abundance that we talk about. There's also that transference of the, there's a time when the righteous are given a sword. After the, we're in the time of the chosen being chosen. And then we go into the time where the righteous are given the sword. It's the sword of the word of God and the spirit of might. And Enoch talks a lot about, you know, and King David talks a lot in the Psalms about the sorrow of the righteous. He sees the wicked flourishing for a time. But there comes a time where there's a transfer. It's not going to be the sorrow of the righteous forever. Mm -hmm. It's going to change. They're going to be the ones, you know, you've been the ones, you know, fasting and praying, crying out to God under the oppression of the wicked. But there's a time coming where it's going to change. It's going to be the wicked in sackcloth and ashes and tears over the destruction of their God and their temple. Mm. And it's going to be the righteous. It says the elect will dwell with the elect. Those people who have been set apart when the chosen were chosen, who have sacrificed their desire for, you know, the lust and the things of this world and the false love of, you know, external bewitched Christianity, all those things. There's that the reward of the righteous comes one day. Mm -hmm. And that's the day that we look forward to, mm -hmm. that we fight for. And it's the rejoicing of, you know, God being reunited with the perfect spotless bride. So, you know, let our eyes be on Jesus, the author and perfecter and the finisher of our faith. And that faith that brings the invisible into the reality of our lives. That you could be made spotless and holy and hastening 
the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. We're hastening that, not just by waiting around, kumbaya over here, kumbaya over there. What did Bob Jones, and uh, I think it was a, an old video on Bob Jones and James Gall, one of the visions that the Lord came and talked to them and he said, stuff is gonna start, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, stuff is gonna start popping off and they're gonna have, oh, there's revival over here. Oh, we're just, they're getting deliverance over here. And he said, you're, you're gonna feel the desire and the temptation to run over there and do what they're doing. Don't do that. It's not real deliverance. It's not actual revival. But what was the instructions? He said, walk, walk with the watchmen who are wise, the wise watchmen. When they say he's coming, oh, he's over here, he's over there, don't go. That's written. You know him on the inside, you hear his voice. Walk with the wise watchmen, walk together as a company. And you won't be led astray by the people saying, Oh, here it is, revival over here. Oh, here he's coming. We're getting all kinds of deliverance. That's the temptation. Oh, we're getting angel feathers. We're getting gold dust. Test every spirit. Because what we just read in Ezekiel of the king of Tyre with the insignia of Egypt, the embroidery of Egypt on his sails, that was the false Elisha with an H at the end, which is the double, right? Elisha had the double portion of Elijah. That's the counterfeit Elijah. The counterfeit Elisha is the external appearance of the double portion of the power and the fire of Elijah. So how do you know which one is which? You have to know intimately the seven spirits of Jesus Christ, who is the angel of the Lord Yahweh, Yad-Heh-Vav-Heh to Seviat, Lord of hosts, his insignia or the insignia of the king of Tyre, which is the embroidery of the sails of Egypt. I feel fire shooting up my head right now. How do you know him? You rise on the sapphire stones of the Sephirotic tree of righteousness because those emanations of the Holy Spirit are his character, his name, and his way. So if you abide in his name and his name abides in you, his word abides in you, ask anything and I'll, and I'll give it to you because you'll be asking the Father as well. So you abide and you rise there. You have the elevation to see more clearly and you'll intimately know the insignia of the Lord of hosts, the insignia of the myriads of holy hosts of angels, stars in their hosts. That is how you're going to know. Amen. Amen. You want to just pray for everyone? Yeah. I just pray, Father, for these ones, the sound of our voice, together as one. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth, in these earthen vessels, as it is in the high heavens. Riders on the airboat, we thank you today for our daily bread, a feast you've prepared for us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Well, I thank you, Lord, for forgiving the sins of the people at the sound of my voice. And let them forgive those who've sinned against them. Let this lightning path 
be made clear to them. Make straight the way of the Lord. This is the way. Now walk in it. And so we thank you, Father. And we say, Yours is the kingdom, Malkut, and the power, Had. Yasad. And the glory, Had. Forever and ever, Mitzak. Amen. Tiferet. The path into the sun. The kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, eternity. And amen. That is your path. The kingdom is within you. The power, Yasad, is of sexual purity and being set apart, delivered from false love and lust. And the glory, His glory, realizing the glory within you, Had. Eternity hidden within your heart, Netzach, Venus. And if God permits and gives you permission to move on to advanced training in righteousness, Amen. And then he says, so be it. And you step into the sun to fret the beauty of his holiness, his righteousness formed in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you Tuesday. If you'd like to give an offering into Red Letter Ministries, you can click the links in the description. Be blessed as you give.